Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore, and I am here with you now, and it will all be okay. We get together twice a week and chew on God's word for your encouragement, for your benefit, and uh, hopefully to, to, to invite you to glean a little bit of the godly things that we ourselves are gleaning. So this week we've got Sean Duncan with us. Back again. He's back by popular demand. Now, Sean, you keep going on and on and on about how God is using the wickedness of man as his own instrument of punishing them. Absolutely. And you promised me mm-hmm. off the air mm-hmm. that you would explain this to me. Yes. Okay. Because we have been talking about Noah and the flood. Yep. From Genesis chapter six through chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just scratching the surface with you on things, Chris <laughs> and dear listener. My head would explode uh, if it was even 1% more. The two episodes ago that I was on, whichever, however many released ago yeah. that is. Um, but two times ago for me, we paused for a moment when talking about the description of the flood. Um, so the, the problem with the world, I'll just read it. Starting in chapter six, verse 11, the earth was corrupt mm-hmm. in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt <laughs> for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Okay. So pause. Why is the earth corrupt? All flesh. Because all yeah. flesh corrupted their yeah. way on the earth. So the corruption of humanity has, um, bled out and permeated onto all of the earth mm-hmm. and it's corrupted creation. Yeah. So the corruption of humanity has corrupted the rest of creation. It's a big problem. That's a big because problem. God made creation and it was very good. Yeah. And now humanity is corrupting. Verse 13. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. The earth is filled with violence mm-hmm. and the earth is filled with violence through humans. That's the problem. So God's going to make an end of it. That's a wrap. And he says, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And then he says, this is verse 13. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. We we're talking about this and I made like some side comment, you know, this is like the seedbed of the idea of hell. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what the hell, you know, we're yeah. going to talk about it. <laughs> That is what we're going to talk about. Um, I wasn't just being cheeky. Like this uh-huh. is like a it's a seed bed concept that really gets fleshed out later. Is it fleshed out or fleshed out? I think it's fleshed out. You put fleshed meat out. to the bones. Mm-hmm. Right? It could be fleshed out. <laughs> like uh, it's more like get it out. Split it. Right. Anyways, out. we're we're going down different rabbit holes. Maybe a different <laughs> podcast. That'll be next episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it really is. It's something that's uh, fleshed out later in the prophets. Mm. Um, but just thinking about the flood story, how does God destroy them with the earth? You know, mm-hmm. like, that's kind of weird because mm-hmm. you actually keep reading and well, it's the floodgates from below that open up and then it's the windows of heaven that open up. So the waters above and the waters below come imploding back in on creation because in, on day two in Genesis chapter one, God separated the waters from above from the waters below. And he created this atmosphere space for us to inhabit. Mm-hmm. So now because of human humanity's corruption and violence, there's going to become a decreation where the waters above waters below are going to 
implode yeah. on creation. So no one needs an ark. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, I will destroy them with the earth. But then what you keep reading on is like, I'm going to send a flood and I'm going to send water and it's water is going to be the thing that does it. So this is just kind of like a unique sentence that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned it briefly a few episodes ago when I was on, but it's the thing that humanity has corrupted that is going to become the source of their own destruction. Yeah. Humanity corrupted the earth and now the earth will be what is used to destroy humanity. But then we keep going and it's like a flood. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's keying us into an aspect of God's judgment, not the entirety of God's judgment, but an aspect in which God brings about a just judgment by allowing one's own decisions to become the source of their destruction. Yeah, it's the sense? ultimate, you made your bed, now lie in it. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like this, like, like you chose this, mm-hmm. or you caused this, I'm going to hand you over to this decision. I referenced a few, time, a few episodes ago, Romans chapter one, where mm-hmm. this is a recurrent theme, theme the language of that God gave them over to their own decisions, uh, sometimes called God's passive wrath, but there's not really anything passive about it. God, <laughs> yeah. God is actively giving them, yeah. but it's their own decisions that becomes their destruction. Okay. So they corrupt the earth. The earth becomes their destruction mm-hmm. by God. Yep. And then last time I was on, we were connecting this story to the story of Noah mm-hmm. or uh, of uh, Moses yeah. in his little basket. Okay. So just to revisit that Exodus chapter one, Exodus chapter two, he's placed in a basket and placed in the water because at this time in Israel's history, while they're living in Egypt, all the babies Moses's age are being placed in the water Except for they're not being placed with a no. basket. No. <laughs> um, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had made a decree for population c- control to commit genocide um, simply by eradicating the males who are born of the Israelites. Yeah. If you if you cut off a generation of of male born babies, then you're two generations away from that populace not existing anymore. Hmm. Just whoosh, easiest way to get rid of them. So Pharaoh had decreed that all the Israelite male children should be thrown into the water mm-hmm. to die. So then, Mo- then Moses is raised up. God sends Moses to Pharaoh and very graciously, 10 times over, God gives Pharaoh a chance yeah. to let his people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. And he sends these plagues, these strikes against Egypt that escalate as they go on. And the final plague is the death of the firstborn son which Pharaoh was killing all of the sons. Mm-hmm. God, uh, instead of killing all, all of the sons, the consequences uh, for not letting the people go is that God will kill all of the firstborn sons. But you see the connection from the event of oppression mm-hmm. to the act of God's just judgment. Yeah, It's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. the death of a son. Yeah. yeah. Seen that connection? Yep. So the except God's pulling his punches a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Uh but yeah, so Pharaoh Pharaoh was killing boys and the consequence because he never repents is that boys die. Yep. In Egypt. Mm-hmm. It becomes his own destruction. Um it's actually a different Pharaoh. 
Is it? During the death of the firstborn. Yeah, it, it seems to be like it's like the third Pharaoh. So there's a Pharaoh when Moses is raised up in the household and then he strikes down the Egyptian. Then he flees into um, to, um, like the Mount, Mount Horeb where he meets his wife. And then there's like, a, there's, there's some comment like, um, and then when a, a Pharaoh, a new Pharaoh arose, Moses went back type of thing. So okay. like, there's, there's a succession. So Pharaoh, we're never told which Pharaoh is which, but it's his brother in the movie. Yeah. Well, his adopted brother. Yeah, yeah. I know they're, they're assuming a lot, but, <laughs> but the idea is just like Pharaoh is like this archetype of, yeah. of human depravity and evil and lack of repentance. So then you keep going in that story and finally the death of the firstborn happens and Pharaoh's like, please leave, get out. Okay, fine. You can go. And as you go, bless me. <laughs> Of course. I mean, it's like he just like got, sh- got shown that like, oh, God is real. All right. Yeah. God is real. Okay, no, <laughs> so they leave. He's like, but bless me as you go. So they leave. And as they leave, they reap all these benefits from Egypt and they're, they're marching their way out. But as they leave, Pharaoh's like, you know, they were pretty good slaves. What have we done? We should go after them. So he rounds up his boys, his big army of chariots and horsemen and soldiers, and they just go bombing after them and they catch up to them when the Israelites are against the border of the Red Sea or the Reed Sea. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, God tells Moses, stretch out your hand, he stretches out the hand, he strikes the water with the staff and then a, a strong wind comes over the waters and separates the waters from the waters. Going to leave that one there. <laughs> he, separates, the he separates the waters from the waters and the Israelites start to go into it. So the waters become this means of God's deliverance. But then the people of Israel go out on dry land to the other side. But God, like a perfect baker making some dough, folds that water back <laughs> in on the Egyptians and kills them with mm-hmm. it. So the same waters that could deliver the people became the waters of judgment for the Egyptians. Right. Pharaoh was killing the sons in the water. Mm -hmm. And because of Pharaoh's pride and arrogance and his unwillingness to repent, the waters became his own destruction. Yeah. All right. So I'm just, the earth was corrupt. Mm -hmm. I will destroy them with the earth. All right. So the thing of their own decisions becomes their destruction. Yeah. Shown that pattern. Okay. So those are just like, Mm. those are just like design patterns in those stories but then it gets really explicit in books like jeremiah and in jeremiah chapter 7 starting um in verse 30 you have um what is the the proto text for the new testament idea of hell so this is where it really develops um i'm not going to read it but um Listener, you can go read it. It's Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 30 through um, verse 34. And what had been taking place is they keep referring to uh, the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, the Valley mm-hmm. of the Son of Hinnom, which is this valley that's just right outside of Jerusalem, a little dip. Jerusalem's on a hill. It's a little dip. And in the Valley of Hinnom, um, people had began to sacrifice their children to Molech in fire. They yeah. were... Burning Nasty their stuff. children as sacrifices. Um, Man- King Manasseh made this really popular. And then it just kind of stuck around ever since then. So you have Jerusalem in this high hill of the worship to God. But then right outside of Jerusalem is this valley of fire where people are killing their own children. Mm-hmm. 
And in Jeremiah chapter 7, he's talking about the valley of the son of Hinnom where they're slaughtering their people. And basically he's like, yeah, you're going to go through the fire and it's going to be your bones and your flesh that are eaten by the scavenger animals in this valley. In other words, Jeremiah's prophetic accusation is your decision here is going to become your own eternal destruction. Yeah. That's the accusation that he makes. And this is the seedbed text for New Testament idea of hell. Because he the the prophets are connecting um, your present decisions with your eternal destruction. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm saying it's the seedbed of hell is, uh, here's just a little bit of language stuff. So valley of the son of Hinnom in Hebrew is Gai Ben Hinnom. Gai is valley, Ben is son, Hinnom is the name. Okay. Right. So Gai Ben Hinnom. And that gets shortened rather than rather than calling it because it's a mouthful. Why say the Valley of the Sun of Hinnom? You could just say the Valley of Hinnom. Yeah. And that's Gai Hinnom. Okay. Gai Hinnom in I see Hebrew. Where we're going. Gai Hinnom in Hebrew, which fast forward to um, a text like Matthew chapter uh, five, um, maybe in, I don't know, uh, verse 27, 28. <laughs> just maybe. <laughs> you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into Gehenna. Mm. You hear it? Mm-hmm. Gehenna. So, it's shorthand. So, um, Gai Hinnom is Hebrew. And then that just gets transliterated into Aramaic and then into Greek and into um, later into Latin, which is Gehenna or um, in, in Latin, Gehenna. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gehenna is a transliteration of Valley of Hinnom. Okay. But the way Jesus talks about Gehenna is not as like, yeah, well, you did some bad things, so you're going to suffer some bad things. He uses it to talk about like this eschatological reality of suffering in outer darkness or suffering in eternal fires of flame. He's talking about very real things. Yeah. Um, he's using familiar symbols, but symbols never talk about something that is less real than the symbol, but more real and mm-hmm. more terrifying mm-hmm. than the symbol. So way back in Jeremiah 7, the valley of the son of Hinnom or Gehenna is, is the eternal destruction of unrepentant humanity. And the destruction is facing the very thing that they created. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. Which when you get to Romans chapter one, Paul can say that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven, present reality. Um, And the way it's being present tense, revealed from heaven is that God is handing people over to their own desires. Mm. But then you get to chapter two and he says, uh, you know, don't you know that God's patience is supposed to bring you to lead you to repentance, yeah. not for you to take advantage of it. And by taking advantage of God's patience rather than repenting, you are storing up for yourselves wrath on the day of wrath. Mm-hmm. So like, it's like, it's, a, it's as if hell is a present reality Mm-hmm. of suffering the consequences of your own decisions rather than repenting. But even worse, it is this future reality where all of the unrepentant corruption that you have committed and caused in this world 
it's going to turn back on you for your own eternal conscious destruction yeah for all time an endless succession of time suffering the consequences and the realities that you have created god will turn it back on you that's terrifying yeah i do not want to experience that hell no doubt there's a lot more we could say about hell <laughs> um, you know it culminates in a, in a burning lake of fire that was prepared for satan and his angels right but those who do not repent join him in that because it's the decision and choice that they have made. Mm-hmm. Like, well, how is the lake of fire something that they made? Where did those rebellious spiritual beings get their power? You know, mm-hmm. there's a snake that comes into a garden yeah, and says some lies, but the snake doesn't really have any power until humans give it to them. Yeah. And they have created this reality and we keep we, I mean, like corporate humanity, we keep mm-hmm. handing power over to these spiritual beings and God's going to destroy those spiritual beings for their rebellion. And unless we repent and trust Jesus to be our, our ark of protection, to take us through the flood, then we will suffer and, and be destroyed along with the very thing that we have created, mm-hmm. which is atrocious monsters opposed to the goodness and the glories of God. Yeah. And that's why a few episodes ago, <laughs> He said seed bed of hell. <laughs> I I happened to throw out this idea. Oh, this is a seed bed of hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was right right there starting in in Genesis. Like this is just a a biblical concept mm-hmm. that you'll see all throughout the scriptures that the very thing that humanity causes in their sin becomes the very thing that God uses to destroy them. Yeah. yeah. And the very thing we were all spared from who profess Christ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um Jesus was put forward as a propitiation, a wrath-bearing sacrifice. He suffers the wrath of God in our mm-hmm. place. And all these texts are showing us like the, the wrath of God is God turning human creation back onto humanity. He didn't store up any wrath. What? what it, uh, what? Christ. Oh, didn't yeah, store yeah, up yeah, any yeah, wrath. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Uh, but then thinking about like, how is it that Christ suffered wrath? Mm-hmm. He was killed on a cross. Yeah. Who created that? Who put him there? Mm-hmm. Humans. It's like the human decision put him and human creation put him there. Yeah. So God's wrath, the instrument of God's wrath is the corrupt creation of humanity, which is terrifying. Yeah. It's just so scary mm-hmm. that, I mean, we're capable of so much good, but we are capable of creating such terrifying things. That's why we need to deliver. We need, we need Christ to renew us and to conform us into his image. Yep. And that is a sobering reminder for those of us who are surrounded by friends and family and coworkers, mm-hmm. people who have yet to to come to a saving faith in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, practical implications or applications of this um, for a Christian uh, or some, you know, something I hear a lot, it is a ministry is, you know, if, well, if, um, if I have the opportunity to do it, God must want me to do it. <laughs> it's not, an open door show. Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> like sometimes God gives you the thing you want to judge you. Mm-hmm. So like, dear Christian, like, don't fall into thinking like, oh, God's giving me what I want. It must be his favor. It's all going well. You should always yeah. judge things first uh, uh, against the witness of scripture. What has God said he wants mm-hmm. for you? And then the the support and the affirmation of 
God's people and God's spirit in you. Like, don't just think, well, I want this and I'm getting it. So it must be God's favorable. Not necessarily. <laughs> God is more than, more than willing to hand you over to your decisions to, to let you suffer. Yeah. Um, now for a Christian, I think it's actually different than that. Um, but I just don't want us to think like, um, in an unbiblical way. Mm-hmm. So there's that, um, I think it also creates in us, uh, a deep sorrow and compassion for our non-believing friends who by all accounts right now might be like, yeah, life's going great. Like I have everything I want. That should actually like make us really sad because we know that they might have everything they want, but they don't have the thing that they need, which is God. Yeah. And the fact that they have everything they want, well, that's just like even more evidence of God's wrath being upon them as his passive wrath, as it were, to give them over to their desires. And our desires are often the source of our destruction. Mm -hmm. Um, So it should not create in us like a, ha ha, you're getting what you deserve. (laughs) It should just like make our hearts break for Mm -hmm. people and, and compel us even more to share the gospel with people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say this, John. This has certainly been one of the more interesting conversations huh. surrounding hell for me. Well, so. you know what? These are just the things that go through my mind when I read Genesis <laughs> chapter six. <laughs> Wait a minute, Gehenna. Um, well, listener. I- and all this information is in my Bible Project emails that I send out to people who take the Bible Project class pure offered every Sunday morning at University <laughs> Fellowship Church during the 9 a.m. service from 9 to 1030. At 1855 <laughs> Galliot Road, Eugene, In the Oregon. North Space. Yeah, in the North Space. <laughs> well, this was a great nine-minute episode. I'm glad we... <laughs> <laughs> you are nothing if not consistent. 21 minutes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Well, listener, uh, I trust that this has been an, an en- engaging. Uh, like That's a said, nice way of saying it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and sobering conversation about uh, a very real reality in a way that we we create our own destruction that God gives us over to. More real and more terrifying than the ways in which we're describing it. Yeah. Yeah. Catch you on the next episode on the Flippy Flop. All right. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.